Hello and welcome everyone to the Thorn Files podcast. It's been a little while for us. We have uh, not recorded actually together in a while. So bear with me if my previously is uh, a bit spotty. Uh, when we last met, the agents of Thorn Investigations had gone to save the reporter Caitlin Kelly in the Highlander Hotel from the uh, predator dragon that was hunting her uh, after the group had determined that her writing about uh, treasures within museums being sent back to where they came from um, that this writing might be seen as a threat by the overly protective dragon of the horde that the group has previously seen the agents arrived just as the attack took place with vera Bright and Peter Anderson being outside when the dragon took its uh, attack upon Caitlin Kelly. Vera briefly noticing the strange gaunt figure outside the hotel that the group had uh, noticed before and who was intrinsically linked to the whole heist that had happened and seemed to have spurred this mystery on. Tabitha and Evangeline were upstairs when the fire took place, saving Caitlin Kelly despite. Uh, her body being fairly badly burnt from the attack she was saved. Tabitha told Caitlin that dragon a dragon had attacked her, whereas Evangeline insisted it was instead uh, somebody a, a group called Dracub, but which we'll see how that goes. And um, Vera and Peter came back into the hotel to put out the fire as best as they could. Peter revealing a bit more of his monstrous side to Vera as she noticed that there were similarities between Peter and the band that she saw outside. Throughout the episode as well, Peter has been visited by a disembodied voice, both times calling Peter a, a brave boy and the second time referring to Peter leaving somebody out in the cold and perhaps threatening maybe Angus, maybe somebody else Peter knows, somebody close to Peter probably. And ending by saying that Michael says hello, whoever Michael is. And so when we come back, we are in the second hotel that the agents have chosen to sleep in. You have your room, which uh, is smaller, less opulent than the Highlander, but comfortable enough for you all. Um, you did not find it hard to sleep the night before. And... Peter is the first one awake. Um, as we've already heard, he has just been talked to by a disembodied voice in his head. But before anybody else wakes up, we are going to go to Tabitha. Tabitha, you open your eyes and it is a bright, summery day. And you're not in the hotel surrounded by the people and the smell of smoke and burnt hair that you fell asleep to. You are in your home. Your real home in London. And much like every time you've been here before, you know this isn't real. Because this house doesn't exist anymore. 
and the sun is streaming into the window and it feels warm against your skin. What do you do? Um, I think this time, I think every time I attempt something slightly different in the hopes that I can learn something new or, you know, see something that I missed. Um, and so this time I am going to stay in my bedroom. <laughs> okay. The do um, nothing approach and listen at the door. You go to the door, listen, and you hear voices, chattering, happy voices from downstairs. The house feels like it's in a bit more, it's a bit more going on today. And actually thinking about it, this dream you have before, you often dream it and it's night. Yeah. So the fact that it's the bright sunny day is um, it's very different to what you're normally used to. I can't, I can't let, I can't not go out. <laughs> so I open the door and um, at great haste, um, rush down the stairs. You get about halfway down the stairs, and again, similarly to before, where these stairs seem to elongate and stretch out, it doesn't this time. You run down the stairs, and you get halfway down the stairs, and you you feel like you got out to reach the bottom when your father walks out of the living room into the corridor, and he sees you on the stairs. And your father, Oscar, what does he look like? Oh, he's very handsome and smart and kind looking. He has um, dark hair as well and glasses and a, a very neat moustache. He had just sort of had this big grin on his face and um, he says, come on, it's all, you're late for your own party. Um, My party? Yes. I mean... Honestly, Tabitha, you spend so much time up in your room. I'm not surprised you forgot about your own birthday, but of course, yes, my birthday. Sorry. Oh, okay, I'm coming. Come on, and he he leads you down, and you see briefly into the to the office that your mum and dad both use. They have their desks, which are set facing each other in the center of the room, and like the everything set up around them. Um, is there anything that Tabitha would remember seeing in their office? The last few times you saw the office, it's been a while now. Is there anything you remember that would stand out? Um, well, firstly, I see their desks facing each other. And I just think, oh, they love each other so much. <laughs> That's so sweet. Um, if only. Um, and maybe a, a family photograph, like, we're all dressed up very sensibly. Yeah, lovely. and it's um, you know, it's a, it's a cozy room. It's a friendly room. Whereas it's it's a place where work obviously it gets done. Your your dad is um, you know, he you're not a hundred percent sure what your dad's job was when you live with your parents. Um, vaguely remember him being some sort of bookseller. Um, he always seemed to have lots of old texts in his. Uh, in the office that he was working on and, and reading through. Um, and so you can see there's just uh, shelves and shelves of these old books. Um, 
and you see there's a few things from your from your mother as well where there are uh, files that have been put up as well there are um posters of things you don't quite understand uh texts uh old scribblings on pieces of parchment have been framed to put up on the wall you see that there's a um a few strange things and you would have possibly remember there's a um on the sort of shelf where there are files and pictures put up um a few things like there's a the um a sort there's like a sort of small there's like a old bronze age looking sword um leaning up against the thing on there um and you see that there is a a small sort of circular stone with strange of engravings in it um and a sort of stone that's sort of big enough to fit in the palm of your hand and a and this is the last thing you and it sort of stands a little bit because you remember seeing it and being a bit confused by it never really getting an answer about it but a small jar on your mother's side of the two desks um which at the moment you can see fairly clearly is uh full of a a, a sort of black liquid as you look at it, as you have this glance into the room, it seems to move on its of its own volition in the jar, sort of undulating slightly in the jar. But you're pulled past that room. Um, I mean, I absolutely 100% sneak in there at any uh, opportunity. <laughs> absolutely, yeah. Your your father has your arm at the moment, so he's sort of leading you through the house. Uh, but yeah, if you that's if that's your intention later on, you keep them in back of my I need to go back into this room. Um, and you're taken out through the kitchen, out into your garden, and um, around the sort of small picnic table that your parents have set up in your garden, um, you see that your uh, your mother is there as well. What's your what does Cora look like? Um, well, I believe you said that her and Annabelle look alike. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, um, so she family of dark haired people um she has dark hair i would imagine she kind of wears it up in a kind of 40s style mm. um and she has where's her pearl necklace which i now wear um and again i think to to a 13 year old tabitha she's beautiful and kind and she smiles warmly as you are brought out. You see that there is a cake on the table. Um, this is during wartime, so it is, um, you know, very sparse as cakes go. It is lots of saving up of the bare minimum you need to make a cake these these days, but ration books. Uh, but you, you know that your parents will have saved up many, many rations for your birthday cake. And you're sat down at the table and... In that strange way that dreams seem to flit through moments and people being coming in and out of scenes, um, you're sat down at this at this bench and your parents sit down with you, and then your aunt's also there, and your grandmother's also there, and that pulls you away from the dream again because and I, that that you know it's not real because you know that your aunt didn't come to visit you in london and certainly didn't come to visit you on your birthday um for big social events and your grandmother neither she sent you letters but she never came down to to london either 
and your mum cuts up the cake for you all. And she puts one in front of you. She puts one in front of your dad. She cuts one for herself. She cuts one for Annabelle. She cuts one for your gran. And then she cuts another one and puts it at the other end of the table from you. Oh, no. And you just get a moment where you look up and see somebody you don't recognize looking at you. They are a strangely handsome man very very thin in face but not gaunt just sort of narrow and they look at you and they have this sort of gently tousled black hair and they're wearing quite a smart suit that is very fashionable very expensive looking and they say thank you as they take the cake and it's placed down in front of them. And then they fix you with a look, a sort of inquisitive look as they peer at you. I attempt to match the level of intense inquisitiveness. And as you do that, um, you hear a clatter as someone else on the table drops a fork or drops a knife it breaks your concentration for a second and the way that those high tense moments happen and then these sudden loud sounds break the silence and you look up uh twirl down the table your dad's dropped his fork as he was collecting the cake and uh you look back and the man isn't there his place isn't there and you're sitting with your mother and father your aunt and gran aren't there anymore same way that dreams flit about these people come and go from the dream but they're not there now and you are eating with them and it's pleasant and warm and you can't quite make out the conversation you're having with them except for the fact that it tends to be about your school your friends your work how wonderful their life is and then you hear an air raid siren And they keep talking to you as if they don't hear it at all. Are we still in the garden? Still in the garden, but the sun has started to go behind some clouds. Um, I'd say we have to we have to get somewhere safe now. Um, Tabitha, don't be silly. It's your mother. Can't you hear? Tabitha, have you a cake? It's your birthday. It's not my birthday. And your father says, Tabitha. We're, your mother's worked very hard on this cake. You have to make sure you eat as much of it as you can. Stop loads in. And then you hear the tapping tap, tap, that you know very, very well from your front door. And it's strange because you're in your garden, you're as far away from your front door as you could possibly be, but even over the air raid sirens that your parents still don't notice this tapping on the glass is louder than anything you've heard before. Do they look like they've heard it? As you have that question in your mind, you think about whether or not they've heard it, you realise that they have completely stopped in what they're doing. Uh, Come on, guys. Uh, We need to eat up this cake. You know, it's my birthday and we've worked hard on this cake. It's delicious, Mum. Your mum stares at you and says, Don't get the door, Tabitha. I won't. Don't get the door either. 
You hear the airy sirens get louder and louder. The tapping and now a thumping on the glass. And Oscar, your father, stands up and says, Well, if no one else is going to get it, I should probably go get that. And he starts making his way back inside the house. No, no, I grab his arm. You can't stop him. It's like he is controlled by some other worldly forces. Your feet are dragged along the ground as you hold on to his arm. This man who's, you know, your father is not a, a, a musky, a strong man, but Barely he seems to be dragging you, dragging you without any effort whatsoever. Um, it's like trying to drag a train. And you are pulled through your house by your father as he sort of okay. just watches. In that, that case, I'm going for I want to nip in front of him. I've got the speed of a child and I'm opening the door. <laughs> and you run towards the door seeing the shadow on the frosted glass of the door. You wrench on the door handle and you feel a hand on your shoulder turn you round. Who would you be if this was the dream normally? Who would be behind you normally? I think it's my dad. Yeah. Makes sense that you'd still be your dad. And your dad is there. He grabs you. He pulls you away from the door as you are certain that you pulled it, but it's still closed. The dream doesn't work in that way. You are, you never open the door. And you are pulled back into the house. You hear your father calling to your mother. Your mother runs to the sword on the shelf and she says, Get Tabitha somewhere safe now. You're pulled away and you wake up. No. And you're in the hotel room with the rest of your companions. The smell of smoke and burnt hair comes back to you. Is everyone else still asleep? Uh, You see Peter's awake. Unless Peter is pretending to be asleep. Uh, Peter would be s- probably sat on the edge of his bed, kind of staring off into the distance a little bit. Remind me how we how we all slept in the room? I thought I um, slept with Evangeline, actually. No, you ended up all sleeping in the same in the same room, more of a, uh, as I think, more of a practical thing. I think it was more of a, everyone stays in the same space now. Yeah. No one's so we might up. die. Oh right, yeah. <laughs> this was practical. <laughs> um I probably get out of bed and um I don't think I want to talk about it, but I just go and stand next to the window. Sulk. So we're both staring off at different distances. <laughs> because they we look like a really emo album cover right now <laughs> <laughs> with the other two <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh eventually Evangeline and Vera, you wake up as well in the room. Uh, Vera, you are in a like lot of discomfort from yesterday, bruised, and lungs are on fire. Yeah, I, I was probably oscillating between incredibly deep sleep and um, not sleeping because I'm just coughing all night. Um, so I'm probably fairly exhausted this morning. And yeah, all of the aches and uh, bruises have actually started making themselves known today. <clears throat> Are you guys all right? What's out there? Nothing. So, <clears throat> uh, 
Breakfast then? <clears throat> is everybody in the mood for for some coffee? I find coffee is a little bit uh, too strong for this this time of day. I will I will probably have to take of some refreshing tea and maybe some marmalade. Hopefully, they have the shredded kind here. And Evangeline is up, and you can see she's she's got like a silk night robe on because she doesn't pack light no matter where we go. And um, her hair is up, and she'll kind of like untie it. And you watch this, these curls, which are impossibly very well maintained, will just cascade down very lightly across her face. Just makes me more angry. So mad. Uh, I I spend a couple of minutes in the uh, in the bathroom trying to make my hair not just entirely flat on one side. Yes, perhaps we shall uh, review what our next steps will be. Now we have come face to face with our lizard that we have been seeking here. I'm at a little bit of a loss, but some some food and, and uh, tea and coffee would be would be would help. Yeah. So, you, so if anybody who's wanting to have teas and coffees, you can call up to have them brought to the room, or you can go down to the modest little uh, sort of restaurant at the bottom of this hotel. Was Caitlin with us, or was she? No, she was taken to hospital. Um, uh, I'm going to call the hospital and just check to see that Caitlin is all right. Um, and uh, I'll, I'll call for some room service as well, if you would all prefer to stay here, or should we go downstairs? Out of the bits of conversation, if overheard by polite society, I would think here would be best. I'll call down for some breakfast and... Uh, I do, and then call the hospital um, and ask after Caitlin. Yeah, so um, your your food is ordered, your teas and coffees, whatever people are keen to have. But you know, don't go, don't go wild. It's not a not a five star establishment you're staying in now, but a, what you imagine is a very basic breakfast is what you get from here. Um, is, and the marmalade, a, is the marmalade shredded? No, Evangeline, it's not shredded. It's like. The the most it's, the most store bought, like it's, it's the bare minimum marmalade you got here. We're did still get, in rationing, Evangeline. Did I get my Earl Grey with a slice of lemon? Yeah, well, you got that. Just checking. Although the lemon's like dry lemon, like it's not it's like a pre-cut slice. Of, yeah. I drink one cup of tea, and that's it. That's all you need. You call the hospital, and nothing nothing to report from there except for the fact that um they mentioned that there were visitors at one point in the evening but that the visitors um they eventually left they left after talking to caitlin for a little while uh visitors um i don't suppose that would have been a, a man and a woman oh how'd you know says the woman on the phone just a wild guess. Did they leave names or any contact information? No. No, just uh, just that they were old friends of Caitlin were just checking in to see how she was. They had some official-looking documentation with them, but I don't really know much about that, so I don't really talk, ask too many questions. I see. Okay. Um, could I ask that any further visitors to Caitlin... Um, be denied unless she has specifically requested um, them by name. 
Alright, alright. I'll ask Caitlin if that's what she wants as well. Okay, uh, please do send her our uh, regards. We will be along to visit her later on today with any luck. And your name was, sorry? Uh, I'm, I'm Miss Bright. Right, well, I'll let her know, Miss Bright. Thank you. Thank you kindly. Okay, and uh, yeah. So, you have your breakfast, but whilst Vera's gone, um, Peter picks a moment when Tabitha looks distracted doing stuff and Vera's out the room um, to take Evangeline to one side and very, very quietly um, will bring her to one side and say, I... Somebody sent me a message last night. Um... It's to do with Michael. You remember the man, the man on the mission, the one, the one like me. Do you wish to grab your attention, frighten you? They, they spoke to me during the fire. They're here somewhere, and then they said that. Well, Michael said hello. I, I saw somebody as well. And I will reach into my bag and pull out the sketch that Caitlin had given me of the fluffy man with Mr. Donnelly. Deceased. I must just say. Pointed that one time. It would seem someone is also interested in antagonizing the creature that's been causing the destruction here. Perhaps it was merely a way to draw you out from where you are they made a joke about we left somebody in the cold I was worried about Arthur and Angus they've both visited us Albert Albert and Angus <laughs> you'll get us so eventually <laughs> I mean, if you disregard if you, if you have such disregard for the man you cannot learn his name Peter <laughs> he he reminds me of someone I knew in the past. I always mix them up. Um, but we need to see if there's to find a way if they're both okay. That, I suspect, was what was trying to draw me out this morning. I debated I debated leaving the moment I got the message, but uh, I wanted probably to. What they, that's probably what they intended for, Peter. I, I don't know what we can say in front of Vera and Tabitha. This was top secret it would seem things and people that were once top secret have slithered their way spun some webs around everything that we are doing oh, what what do we do you always knew what to do in these situations i will and there's this kind of this look of like consternation on her face as she kind of realizes a lot of the resources she had back in the war are much not resources she has now. Um I might still have someone I can speak with that might be able to pull in some favors. If they are here and they want something from you. And she fixes Peter with a slightly curious gaze as to what that might be. Then perhaps other interested parties might also be aware of what that might be. I, 
I never knew what happened to the artifact. I don't know where it is. You don't know where it is. You don't know what they did with it, do you? I will not insult you by lying to you, Mr. Anderson. I may know, I may not know. And you know that is exactly what the answer you should be giving to those sorts of questions. Have I seen the picture I'm shown? Have I seen that person before? You... It is um, a bit of a blast from the past seeing this picture for you. Not because you recognize the person specifically, but the experience you went through that gave you the monstrous side that plagues Peter. Um, while that was happening, there were lots of other people that were being had similar experiments done to them. You were the one of the last people for it to for it to be done to before things started escalating and the allies were able to liberate your camp. The um you were brought back to your camp and you were left there for a while and then you were saved, but you were aware of people that had early in your stage of the process that had been in the process for a while already. And you remember hearing about these people and the fact that once whatever had happened to them had happened to them, initially it was seen as a partial success because they looked like they might be stronger. They looked like they might be more alert, but they quickly stopped eating, stopped doing anything to look after themselves and seem to follow something's instruction, but not the instruction of the people that they were with in the camps, if that makes sense. And so they started to waste away while still being stronger than the average person. They were like this person, incredibly gaunt, incredibly drawn. You don't know what happened to them you never saw what happened to the vast majority of these people and no one i remember referring to me as a boy um Brave no boy. no not anybody that you remember in that sense except for very occasionally when you were younger that's what i was thinking you're okay. uh, it's it's a it's a phrase where yeah the people who when you were younger might call you it that's a familiar okay cool got it <laughs> so what do you all do what's the next step what is the next step I believe Miss yes I believe Miss Kelly might have inadvertently stumbled upon the sticks that has prodded the hornet's nest many people share her views around antiquity many people fixed desires upon them. It's something she was pulling on threatened that creature and like a scared predator it attacked first. Would be able to rescue any of her notes from the building? Oh, the, the bag, um, her, her satchel with her 
journals and, and notes. Yes. Peter and I um, managed to save them from the room. Um, we could start going through them. Um, I think, I mean, it's, it's call me a creature of habit, but most mornings I will peruse an archive or a folder or two over my, over my breakfast. It feels like a really good time to soak up some information, some thoughts before we settle on and things to do or people to see or be seen by. Can I investigate a mystery? Absolutely. Yeah. Do my, do my morning perusal through her notes. Um, yeah. Let's see what I will. Anyone else doing anything this time? Uh, I think I'm just also going through documents, just helping sort of lay them out, pile them up into different sections. And um, yeah. Then I say, I'll, I'll say that that means that Vera's uh, doing the help out if you want to do the help out for Evangeline. Okay. You said the magic word of helping. So. I, I did say the magic word of helping. It is one of my uh, worst skills, but that's fine. <laughs> oh, it's not fine. That's a total of three. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> hey, I get to mark experience. That's a level up. Hey. <laughs> I'm just glad, I'm glad to be of assistance. Um, I rolled a nine. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you rolled a nine. So we'll do that first. I'll figure out the how you how you expose yourself. To, you got a terrible set of paper cuts or something. That you're putting out files. Um, so we'll do the investigative mystery. Then I'll I'll figure out how you've messed up there. Sure, sure. My my specific question is: What in this research, from everything we've seen, mm. the, the psychic the psychic murmurs I felt, and then the a museum wants wants it to be stolen and wants it to be taken the her research on the art artifacts and things that should be returned mm -hmm. and my question we've always kind of asked what can hurt it what did she find that could hurt it so badly it wanted her dead that's a very good question um so you determine through everything you've experienced so far and what you've learned of this, it is a force on this, on the treasure itself. There's magic within the treasure, but because it is a magic that is almost childlike in its thinking, it is all energy, it is all instinct, it is all just power without any real thought going behind it. The same instinct that wants it to be taken by somebody is the same thing that wants it, nobody to touch it and nobody to separate it. It wants to be taken, but it doesn't want to be taken separately. It doesn't want to be taken in a selfish way. It wants to be kept together. It wants to be like, idled over and 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 fawned over it doesn't want to be owned but it wants to be protected so it wants to be taken but it doesn't want to be stolen in that sense in the same way that it doesn't want to be split up as well the fear of being split up and being potentially taken to different places the thieves wouldn't ever have kept it in one place they would have broken it down. They would have sold it away. It would have no longer been the hoard anymore. 
Pitlin Kelly wanted all the things to go back to where they began, they would no longer be the horde anymore. So it wants something to protect it, and it's always drawing in people to to take it, to look after it, to protect it. But it also that urge that it gives to people sometimes. So, for example, Stephen Donnelly. So it's a very confused magic. It doesn't know how it wants to do this. It doesn't know what it wants. But you know that because it's that powerful, it misinterpreting necessarily what Caitlin wants is like a an aggressive, unpleasant thing towards it. It sees that as a threat. So you reason that Caitlin Kelly threatened it by potentially saying, hey, maybe we shouldn't keep all these treasures in one place. It could start perceiving other things as threats similarly to that quite quickly. This sort of childlike thinking behind it. So what can hurt us is, yes, it's anything that challenges us, fragile, childlike. Yeah, the idea of it no longer being the treasure, the hoard, when it's when it's either separated or the fear of being destroyed is another thing which is a threat to it. I will share that. I have a suggestion. Yes, Tabitha. We should steal something. I feel the hoard is a, a very alert to us in the days, Tabitha. Um we really, really need to walk into the museum once more and just tell the Horde we're going to take it to roll up its sensibilities. You want to lie to the Horde? Was, was there a next step, Tabitha? Yes, well, go doubt the creature and kill it. Uh, I'm not sure how well we could kill it in its current form, um, but... Dispersing it as a, as a as a horde is definitely seems like a good first step to weakening it. That would mean stealing all of it, or at least a lot of it, and then. Hey. All and we then need something. is a portal. Eventually, you're fantastic with magic. Surely you can facilitate. Being the weaves of space and time to transport something from one location to another. Oh, my dear, no. I, my husband in the war flew, flew me on planes. If I could have done such a thing, I wouldn't have troubled him there. The burden and risk. Maybe maybe there is a some kind of drainage system underneath the museum and we could blow it up and then take some of it with us. But that's that seems reasonable too. I don't think we need to take all of it, just a sizable amount of it. And even magic could be used, surely, Evangeline, if we if we can watch a place and interact with it, maybe there is something we could pull our resources together to do to help us gain access to a chunk of it. Yes. But I I extend to wonder. Collections of these treasures, giving it this collective power, even scattering it to the winds, do we not risk this treasure finding its way into 
another horde and the world that everything we've encountered repeating itself but somewhere else with more people is there perhaps some kind of forge or something in the city a smelting plant that built weapons during the war where we could take the horde and melt it down I do have to say that does go against certain instincts that I hold fairly dear. These are historic artifacts, and uh, as, as as you say, that they they exist across the world in all sorts of forms. It's not just really this horde which we ought to be concerning ourselves with, but how can we stop this happening again in other places? Or whatever is happening here, bleeding through. Um, but something you said about portals, Tabitha, reminded me of how we um, managed to well the spirit and not kill farm. For its last moments, we we took it somewhere else. And we are aware that light is piercing the shadows of this, at the corners of this world. And we are aware that that's what's causing all of this to stir. So perhaps there's a way to connect it back to its shadow so it can exist there, but its power can recede backwards from where it is now. I think there were some good questions going on there. So if somebody else, apart from Evangeline, wants to roll Investigate Mystery, Investigate a Mystery, you can. Can I help out? Yes, I'll say Evangeline can help out this time. I rolled a 12. Ooh, fantastic. And with Evangeline, it's plus one. So, I mean, what? Actually, sorry. Evangeline, Lucky number 13. What did you What did you roll, Evangeline? Sorry. Rolled a, rolled a four. Great. No help. So, no help at all, as usual. And <laughs> in trouble or danger. Fantastic. Um, cool. We're in trouble together, Vera. <laughs> trouble buddies. Um. So, Tabitha, um, you rolled 12. Again, I'm going to come back to you, Troublemakers, in a second. Uh, what are your questions? Um, can I clarify um, what Evangeline means before I ask my questions? Mm-hmm. And yes. here, actually, uh, in terms of saying that if we dispersed the horde, the, this kind of thing might happen in other places so are you suggesting yeah, that so... the items would create like if we split it into 12 then they could create 12 new horns yes exactly so, so the... whatever whatever really powerful but innately juvenile magic uh that has created this mm-hmm. evangeline believes that that will you know if you took one piece and put it somewhere else it could start <laughs> either making itself feel like it's a new horde obviously further away and effectively you know or like um blending a sponge and then scattering it throughout an aquarium it all of the small pieces will grow into new sponges yes what a beautiful metaphor lovely (laughs) that is okay um then um i have this move that's called force of will and um it's about dispelling a magical effect okay or phenomenon 
phenomenon. But and it's temporary. Mm. It's temporary, except on a Templas, which I can instantly snuff out a powerful spell or strange effect. Lovely. Now I think Tabitha thinks highly of herself. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So she thinks that's like. So I want to know, based more on um, the idea that there is magic within the items, Mm -hmm. if. through my studies of desperate studies of magic, um, if I know or can deduce whether or not this kind of magic could be dispelled, even if it would mean like doing something with um, Evangeline and Peter as well, like amplifying mm. kind of dispelling effect that I kind of understand. Yeah. Uh, so you ask if that would work? Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah. You you are fairly certain it would work. Um. It might not be what what Evangeline's picked up from Caitlin Kelly's um notes is is accurate. But you know, there's an element of Caitlin Kelly doesn't fully understand the situation as well. So there might be yeah. specific things that she may not have touched on, and that the group haven't touched on, and so Evangeline's reasoning might not be 100% but thinking about your um your move and the the spell you can cast you begin to th- wonder whether or not there might be a specific item within the horde that the magic scene does sort of stem from but once it's out it's wild and crazy and does whatever it wants while it's part of the horde but if you focus in rather than having a lot of people doing one spell, if you focus all of your magic on one thing, it may have the same effect. Welcome to the RPG Goblin, a podcast that makes exploring TTRPGs fun and easy for you. My goal is to be the best resource for exploring and learning new TTRPGs, no matter if you're a veteran player, have only played D&D, or you're just getting into the hobby. My name is Willow, and I am the host of the RPG Goblin, and I am obsessed with TTRPGs to the point that I would talk about them so much that I drove my mom crazy, and she told me to start a podcast, so I did. On the RPG Goblin, I sit down with guests and we delve deep into TTRPGs like Pathfinder, Monster of the Week, and Wander Home, and we do the hard work of finding the games and breaking them down for you so that all you have to do is listen to an episode and find your new favorite game. Along with exploring games, we also discuss different TTRPG topics that help you improve your own games at home. So if you want to find your new favorite game or you just want to switch up from playing D&D, then listen to the RPG Goblin wherever you find your podcasts. Hello everyone, this is Danny, your keeper and cheater, I guess. Yeah, I know it doesn't rhyme and I don't care. We hope you are enjoying the podcast as much as we are when we make it. Like I said at the beginning of the episode, we've had a little bit of time off just with various things to do with life and it means that it's really nice to get back to recording with everyone again. If you are enjoying the podcast, we'd love it if you could give us a review or share our podcast with anybody who might be interested in a very mystery-based Monster of the Week actual play. The more people we get listening to the podcast, the more downloads we get, the more we can end up doing with the podcast. And we have lots of plans ahead, so it'll be really exciting to be able to put some of them into action. 
So if you have a family member, a friend, or, you know, a special someone you like to share podcasts with, why don't you give it a go? You never know. This might be the thing that draws you together. You know, you've been looking for that thing and here it is. Don't you want to be close with that person? I'm just saying it might work. It might, it might work. Anyway, I'll start wasting your time. Let's go back to the mystery. Um, cool. I get more than one question, don't you I? You do, yeah. Oh, fantastic. Um, um, I guess this is what's it going to do? But, um, do I think Caitlin is in any, is in still in danger? Because what I think deep down, Tabitha wants to confront the entity rather than dilly-dally talking and chasing Mm. our tails. Um, So that's why I suggested stealing something so that we can, like, come at it in a focused way rather than chasing our tails. But Mm. um, Caitlin could also be a place to corner it, although that would put her in danger. (laughs) It would be. Um... Caitlin was seen as a threat from your questioning of her and your um, reasoning because she had been in the museum very frequently talking to lots of members of staff, clearly doing a lot of writing about this and making no secret of it that she was planning on doing this piece of writing because she was talking to so many people about it. Um, she probably isn't in direct danger right now because a lot of her work has been destroyed and she's also in hospital. So while the dragon may come back for her at some point, there is a chance that because the, the magic that sent what this dragon after Caitlin is a very immature magic. It might think, well, she's in hospital. She's not able to write and all of her stuff's destroyed. So, Actually, okay. she's not as much of a threat, so I don't need to worry about. So she may not be in direct danger. Um, and then um, thinking to Caitlin's drawing of the gaunt man. Mm. Um, you have had your two questions. <gasps> two, yeah, okay. You do Sorry. only get two, unfortunately. For yeah, you. that's fine. Plus ten. Cool. You haven't got onto the. No, I don't have any. Yeah. Um, um, I will say, however. One just one thing for um the veers of the world, uh the failed roles of help out of the world. Um Vera, you're organizing things on the on the bed of all the files and folders for people to look through and have a glance through. Um one of the selections of things that you start putting together are the pictures that uh Caitlin was drawing. Okay. Um and there are, you know, there are quite a few of them scattered through her notebook. Uh, some of them are list pages now. Um, there's probably about 12 or 13 that are more intact than others. And as you make this sort of pile, you sort of flick through them, you put them down on the table, and you get a sharp pain in your thumb as you put them down on the table. And you've given yourself a paper cut <laughs> on one of these, <laughs> on one of these pictures. Um 
Oh no, Vera, are you okay? Ah, oh, oh, there's oh, there's blood all over these drawings. Oh, it's my blood. Oh. Uh would you mind grabbing me a tissue? Let me get you a tissue, yeah. I'll get you one. And a plaster. And Tabitha, you get Vera a, a tissue and a plaster. You bandage her up. Um you see that all the pictures are now scattered on the sort of a nearby sort of coffee table, um, with splatters of blood. You see the one which um you cut a thumb on um and you know it's it's, you know, it's a bit bit more bloody than the rest of them um do you recognize the person in that picture is he strangely handsome he's a strangely handsome narrow disgusting man <laughs> with uh with dark tousled hair and um you you just notice this as uh as you're bandaging up Vera, that this is a picture of somebody that Kate, Caitlin Kelly had seen this person at the museum. And when she drew a picture of them, they were clearly looking up towards where the horde was. They were standing behind a rope, is where you can. The picture isn't expansive, but it's, you can see them. You can see the rope, a part of the rope in front of them. Um, I, uh, get distracted and I just pat Vera's hand <laughs> and um, pick up the uh, the drawing. Um, has anyone, did anybody see this man? Uh, have I seen this man before? You um, don't recognize this man, Peter, any of us? fortunately. Good. <laughs> um, I mean, if Vera has a look at it, uh, you look at the picture for a second and very quickly vera as you look at the picture it's almost as if the sketch shifts slightly not so much that it would be like it's the the man has jumped from the page but he is looking sideways like it's a profile of his picture mostly um but is he slightly looking turned slightly more towards you know, you're not sure. Maybe. Oh, how much blood have I lost? <laughs> <laughs> um, Tabitha, um, Peter, Evangeline, is this? Am my eyes swimming, or is this sketch moving slightly? Is it moving? Is it moving? <laughs> um, I would say evangel. I mean, everyone wants to roll uh, plus sharp for me. I have I'm a forensic divination, which if I when I investigate a mystery, which I feel a little mysterious here, mm. Jason, I can ask what magic is being done here as yeah. a free question. Mm. Yeah, so, and I you can, you can roll investigate a mystery. Yes. Yeah. So an an eight from Peter. An uh, Nine for me. I rolled eleven. Um, so first of all, Tabitha, you were very focused in on this picture when you first saw it. It has moved. Um, Peter, yeah, it it looks like it looks a bit different. It might be that Vera's blood got on it, and you didn't see it perfectly the first time. It was passed around the group, but it doesn't look exactly the same. Um, again, you're not hundred percent sure, and. Um, Evangeline, you rolled a nine, so you can ask a question. So, what what magic has been done here? Is there um, any magic on this piece of paper or something bleeding through from 
the kind of iconography she's captured. Yeah. Um, you mean you you look at the picture, you have cast this magic on it, and as you do, yeah, you pick up that there's magic in this paper, and you pick up this magic in this. But it's not the the drawing isn't magical. Caitlin Kelly's not some sort of um, drawing based wizard of some sort, but something to do with Vera getting blood on this picture just allowed something, something deeply powerful to have a glimpse to where you all are. And as you... Which links to the question I was going to ask was my investigative mystery question, which was what sort of creature is this? As it looks towards you just a little bit more because as you cast magic on this page it seems to allow just a little bit more of a glimmer into the room that you're all in you get a deep sinking cold darkness you get black ichor seeping from your eyes and your mouth you get this choking sensation of being surrounded by darkness and having no control over what you can do something telling you what to do something having complete control over your body and letting you waste away this thing that you can see in the picture that looks so very human is a demonic creature seems to work through at least partially blood you can see her kind of just massage her her neck for a moment just enough that she can hold steal herself from the the threat of that self-choking anxiety feeling that this thing is attempting to induce and she will smile and she will say why would a demon be interested in this horde? I'm sorry, did you just say a demon? <laughs> well, I will, I will look at Vera slightly exasperated. That's the, and I'll be like, yes, a demon. Do we have pictures of everything at the horde? How do you know it's a demon? Vera's blood has seemed to awaken it and as you know, I can reach my mind through and around places. He knows that we know he has been there. Uh, Peter, you do have some pictures of things that were at the in part of the hoard. Yeah. So <clears throat> what I want to do, so everyone else is on their investigation stuff, and I've been thinking back to the hoard and things are slotting into position. So I either want to think back to what we saw on our mm. little tour of the horde yeah or if that wouldn't be enough use magic to observe the horde now mm. okay to get a feel for very specifically i'm looking for an artifact similar to the artifact that evangeline and i retrieved during the war because i've suddenly you, realized that's a connection can you describe that just ever so slightly describe what the artifact. the artifact. Yeah, so, so Arth- we know what you're looking for. The artifact during the war was... I have to remind myself now. I do have a note of it, if you... if you. No, were. I do. I, I, I'm on it. I'm just trying to work out... 
It was a circular stone with inscriptions on it. And I had theories about, we had theories, it was old and biblical and whispers potentially relating to Jesus and the cross are in my notes. <laughs> yeah, that's what you put in your notes. <laughs> just, you know, just very you know, demonic, slightly, very biblical, <laughs> slightly, you know, slightly biblical, directly linked to Jesus and the cross. <laughs> so, it's a, a tiny flavor. Of Easy to forget. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I mean, but but there's a note you... that I know that part of that was what Peter heard. It wasn't necessarily confirmed. Are you asking the group about that, or are you going to just be? No, that's me asking you mm-hmm. what would be the best way to explore that, and then based on the results, I'll tell the group. <laughs> uh, I would say there are some there are pictures of things in the wood. There is not everything here. Um, Caitlin Caitlin did not draw pictures of everything. Um, they are off about four or five pictures but none of them look like the artifact you described you imagine probably the best thing to do would be to have a look you, you might i'll have a look no no i'll have a look anything else and there might be something but no no i'll have a look and i'm looking for something similar to it or because we saw all of the little inscriptions and I, if i'd been specifically thinking of this i've been looking for something potentially related to it Okay. So I yeah. want to look and see if I can see something. So that would be use magic in simple terms. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very, very basic use magic. Uh, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Eleven. And are you telling the rest of the group about what you're looking for as well? No. No. Okay. Um, he, just, he literally will just zone out. In a zone out as everyone's talking. Side. Everyone's discussing. Yes. Peter sits down, zones out. Yeah. Yeah, you cast at 11 there's no problems either so yeah it works absolutely fine you have a bit of it you have a sitting where you are you close your eyes you're zoning out you open them again and you can see a deeply shadowed version of the room where the horde sits can i Uh, investigate a mystery now i'm there to see if i can see if the thing that's being concealed this is the logic i was going down yeah i mean (laughs) <laughs> you're choosing the fact you can see observe another place or time yes um i'm gonna say you can do an investigate uh mystery from here nine nine okay so hold one and simply what is being concealed here in the vein of i'm looking for looking a very for specific thing. thing which is being concealed there so that all worked quite nicely um you cannot see the artifact in this room that artifact is not here. I don't definitely don't expect to see that one. You don't say you don't expect to see that one. You don't no, see no, it I'm, at all. I want You're something looking similar, for something similar inscriptions, similar. the same vein that Michael would be looking for. Because mm. we've stopped him stealing um, something else before. You there's you know, there's quite a lot of stuff in here. Um, and mm-hmm. you're looking for something with similar inscriptions. Lots of things with inscriptions in here, some of them vaguely biblical. The one that stands out to you in this space, however, is up on a shelf above some things that you did see before, and I did mention before. There is a crown that has some inscriptions on it. And as I'm focusing on it, and I look at the rope going over the door mm-hmm. and where the shelf is, does it align with where that person was looking? I would say it, it's high up and they were looking up. So it could potentially be. There are lots of ropes in this room. 
so you cannot tell exactly. I get that. I you get can that. you could reason it might be, but I'm not going to give you a solid answer on that because you got your. Oh no, I get that. Me. There are a hundred, hundred many different ways positions, but yes, it was something up high, and this is up high, so that's fine. Cool. Um, he'll he'll say he'll he'll zone out. He'll do all of that, and kind of just zone back in. It'll have been really obvious because mm-hmm. that corner of the room will have been really cloudy, <laughs> really dark. <laughs> so and Peter's using kind of... his magic again. Cool. Now oh, somebody put a light on. No one can see. You were trying to read the paper. Why did it get dark in the room? Yeah. Um. And Peter would just kind of, um, come back and to begin with, won't say anything. He'll just kind of zone back into whatever the conversation everyone else is still having is. Peter, you just went somewhere. You're very observant, Vera. Um. There's a crown in the horde up high, which I didn't pay much attention to when we were there, but it might be significant. There's some markings on it, something from the past I remember. Can you have, can you, and I'll hand him a piece of paper. Can you make, can you draw those things? I can try. I will, I will try. I've never imagined Peter doing any form of artistry ever. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be an act under pressure. <laughs> yeah, there we go. I was going to say, what's the thing that would... Let's kick some ass. Five. <laughs> okay. Thank you, for, thank you for the failure for that one. Things, things go to hell. Um, yeah, I mean... It's not a good drawing. It's a very bad drawing, I think. Well, we'll, we'll all be looking for the wrong thing now because we know what it looks like and it ain't the real crown. <laughs> yeah. Um, Evangeline, do you know how Angus was planning on going back to the Institute? Where he arrived. How did he arrive? The same way you did. Okay, so the train. Should he be back at the Institute by now? He would, even if he got the first train in the morning, he would be back by now, but there would have been an evening train. He would be back by now. Perhaps we could ask him to look in the archives to see if there's any information related to this. This, and she will hold up your scroll and her broken pen, which she was very attached to. This. Yes. Does it have her initials on it? It is. It is. It is. It is totally monikered. Yes. Of course, it is. Do Do you happen to remember, Peter, which section of the horde the crown was located within? I'll describe where it is. Does that help us work out in terms of the king's horde? Because that crown once belonged to a king, or. There's a crown, so they're like, oh, there was once a king. This must have been his treasure, joining the line. Yeah. <laughs> Which of those options? I mean, you don't, you don't know. Uh, no, what? No, you didn't. We, no, we did newspaper. You, you uh, were talked. You were talked about, and yeah, you read newspaper. Yeah, I mean, there was a person found worth it all, but he wasn't any records um, as a king of any sort. You determine it's probably called the king's treasure because there was a crown found within everything else. Yeah. So they were like, oh, this is a nice romantic name to give this wealth of gold. We do need to get ice on those runes before I could ask Angus to research them. Well, 
perhaps just check that he got back safely. This is not renowned for his his timekeeping. It's something we are working on. He should be in the office in probably about the next half an hour. Perhaps we can contact him when he is on duty. Also, the question is how we get to him a... um... A uh, a good enough likeness. Uh, we would we would have to describe it over the phone. While everybody's yes. talking, I uh, can I put the picture of this the strangely handsome and uh, now covered in blood man. I want to take it. Oh no! You're holding up. You're holding up Peter's. I would picture. Yeah. Uh, your own pen and the picture all at once. Evangeline is very interested in that piece of paper, mainly because she wants to go and have a chat with the demon. You absolutely Mm. can. Uh, It's going to be an act under pressure, I think, because Evangeline's very interested in it. Come on, dice. Okay. Nine. Hmm. Okay. Um, Um, If it's not contested, I'll spend a luck point uh, to make it 12. And take myself one step closer to being doomed. You threaten me with doing your character. <laughs> Do it for this picture. <laughs> um, I mean, the question is, would it be contested? Is there anybody who would contest Tabitha taking the picture? Um, <clears throat> I'm not going to contest it. I would be keeping an eye on it. Yeah, if your intention is to have it without... Well, I just pret- pretend to look at it yeah. and not the, give it back. The um, only person here, Peter, won't stop pocketing it is Tabitha. Like, mm. Tabitha having it is better than particularly Vera having it, and then maybe eventually. What I'm going to say is that you can definitely get it. The worst, It's going to be a worse outcome. It's not going to be a press appearance. Like that. The, the worst outcome is... You're not going to go unnoticed that you've taken the picture, but okay, nobody, nobody's right. able to stop you taking it at this point. And I'm not going to put it down now, but yeah, <laughs> cool. Tabitha's got the picture. <laughs> and did I do I need to mark my luck point? Uh, no, that? you don't. No, because okay. I, I would say no. no. You got a worse outcome. So if, right, it was, if it was plus later. ten, nobody would have noticed. Uh, okay. So yeah, so what is the next thing you're all going to do in your investigation? You have a bit of a path to follow now yeah let's go and steal this crown uh honestly i i don't i don't reject I, I think that's actually quite a good course of action yes and we also need to clear the building for if we do intend to remove the crown from its pedestal the dragon will no doubt want all of our heads Agreed. and then what we do with the crown afterwards is quite a large question we can store it in the oubliette inside the van unless we wanted to lure the beast to a particular place. Is there some sort of a trap or containment situation we could set up? Tell us, tell us about her, her dispelling magic thing, or is that just... Um, I will tell you now. <laughs> I'll suggest that that would be on the crown, on the magic of the horde itself, not on the dragon. So Why don't we lure the dragon just to the horde? It did it the first time they robbed the place. We surely don't need to leave the place. We just need to take the crown and make our intentions clear. It's it seems an elaborate setup to um, get everybody out of the building, um, a building filled with priceless, um, irreplaceable artifacts. When our track record with um, subterfuge 
is not necessarily good. Fire. I I know the building is detached because fire. And we, well, Evangeline had some really terrible ideas last time about how we could rob the place, which I feel like that w- they wouldn't work, and I don't feel like she was on her best form. But what if we were simply to get the building of? So you did want to fire? rob the place already, but when I suggested it, it was n- no, no, no. No, Evan- no, 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 Evangeline was explaining to us all of the things about the skylight and the front. I think, Evangeline, right. you said we should just take it out the front door, which that isn't how a robbery occurs. It can occur that way, if we were careful enough about it. Um, and one must weigh all options when one is in a space. We did not know at that time that uh, removing the items and that frequency would bring a large fire-breathing lizard to our doorsteps. We knew it was a dragon. I would just remind everyone that we might have forgotten an important piece of the puzzle. Is there's possibility? Yes. We already have a piece of the hoard that we're hiding in the oubliette that the dragon wants. Yeah.